Before we start today's episode, I just really wanted to thank everybody that donated money during our Christmas drive for one of our listeners. The donations were greatly appreciated and went to excellent use. And now, enjoy the episode. The Big Beat Manifesto goes, Big Beats are the best, get high all the time. Right. At the time, it felt like a much more all-encompassing philosophy. I thought you were a business brain, Mark, but you're better than that. You're what my grandma would call a real piece of shit. Yeah? It's a great plan. Hans is the star, Jeremy's a second stringer. Let's fuck him. That's our dick. That's Jeremy's asshole. We're fucking him. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the L Dude Brothers podcast. My name's Sean. And I've got lots of girlfriends and hash. My name's Laura, but you've probably heard of me by some other horrible, abusive name. What other horrible, abusive names might we, may we might have heard you call? Oh, you, by? you know, just just make stuff, cock ring, shithead, that sort of thing. I didn't realize women mates called each other cock rings. <laughs> to be fair, I don't think they do. I haven't got any female friends that would call me that. To be fair, I don't have any guy friends. Well, I do have guy <laughs> friends that would call me a cock ring, but I don't know if I'd want to. <laughs> consider them friends admit to them yeah 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 <laughs> how are you you're right yeah yeah i'm doing fantastic um hopefully you're hearing this episode by the time you're hearing this episode both of burgling and how not to be a boy have come out so apologies for the delays on my end just uh been busy and unfortunately the podcast has not i've not been able to give the podcast the tlc it deserves so i my apologies no worries that's all right don't worry are you feeling better i know that you were feeling sick last week yeah so we've all been sick here but um it snowed in london today so i'm hoping that the freeze will kind of i don't know the freeze would probably make the bugs worse wouldn't it <laughs> but maybe <laughs> hopefully it'll kill them off i don't know but yeah no we're all feeling better now thank you yeah hopefully kill them with coldness yeah I don't know. I'm, not, I'm not a science guy so that's that's probably clear from this conversation I mean, that's the reason I think that your body cools down when you're sick and doesn't heat up. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, you're right. That is exactly what happens, isn't it? Yeah, that's... Let's just forget I ever started on this. Like, I'm, I'm not a science guy. I've barely got a GCSE in science, so... Uh, yeah. All right, well, we won't make you talk about science. Um, <laughs> so, uh, have you... One thing that I saw th uh, last week that I thought was incredible I wanted to talk to you about was the Peep Show Without Monologues. Yes, yeah. Um, why don't you tell us a bit more about that? I thought that they were odd. <laughs> so somebody on YouTube has been taking classic peep show scenes and editing out the internal monologues. So, like, for example, um, in Wedding, when um, Sophie's friend is talking to Mark and he's doing the eye twitching thing, um, you just see him talking to her and then, like, all of a sudden his eye starts to twitch and then he's just standing there looking like a crazy man. And obviously, since the monologues are gone, you don't really hear what he's thinking. And then he just turns around and walks out. Um, I saw the cupboard scene from this episode with the... Yes, I saw the cupboard one as well and was like, oh, this is even Dude, weirder. Is... I mean, I've written in my notes about how odd this is with the monologue, let alone without it. Yeah, with the monologue, the cupboard scene is weird. Without it, it's just, it's even worse. Um, yeah. And then... All it needs is a laughter track. They need to put a laugh track on it to make it super weird, and then it'll be. Perfect. I don't know if I could watch it with a laugh track. That might be that'd be a no. bridge too far. Um, and then I also saw the um, the mummy where they eat mummy at the end of holiday without the. 
uh, without the monologue and that one was okay but uh you know uh i highly recommend watching these um i'll probably try to tweet some of them out because they are goddamn so funny and just awkward and yeah enjoyable the only one I have only seen the covered one, so I'll have to go hunting for the others. Yeah, they're great. I really hope that this person, and this person, if you listen to this podcast, please get in contact with us, and uh, we will whatever we can do to help promote your videos. We will do to help promote you. Yes, uh, it must be a way of finding out who that is. Actually, we'll look into. That. I saw it on JLB Survivors or Cauliflowers Traditional, whatever the hell it's called now. You know what? Where I've had a fever this week. I on Wednesday I was really ill. I got sent home from work and I was like sweating, you know, like you are when you're sick. And I went to sleep for a little while and I woke up and I had like all these notifications on my phone and they were all from JLB Survivors, Stroke, Cauliflower, whatever it is. And I was like, what the fuck is this? What's all this cauliflower shit? And combined with my fever, oh, it was it was weird. I, it, I was having a weird. Jesus, one. that must have seemed like some sort of weird fever dream. <laughs> yeah, I was I was confused. Yeah, I keep expecting them to change it back because I'll be honest, it's really not that funny right now with all the cauliflower stuff. But yeah, I feel like I feel like I've missed something with the cauliflower stuff. But you know, it's Christmas. It makes even the funniest things unfunny, as we all know from Christmas specials. So yeah, let's let's, let's hope they rethink yeah. it. Well, it's I I was it's too bad that we. We can't do uh, that. Season seasons beatings won't time out for us to do in the holiday season. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. Not such a good episode. So ruined by Dobby, which kind of is a good segue into talking about this episode, really. Yeah. Um. So when I was binge watching this, I had no idea that Dobby was going to be a continual character, and I just kind of thought she was one of those one episode. Um. Ended up being. Don't worry, for those of us watching it in real time, I think that some of us also thought that they were going to not continue with her, but here we are. So let's go ahead and talk about this introduction to what is probably, what would you say, the number four character on the show? Yes, yeah, she, I mean, I haven't done a, haven't done a graph, but I would say she probably appears in the most episodes after, um, after Jeremy, Mark, Hans, and... Yeah, it must be her. She appears in it more than Sophie, I think. Really? She must do, mustn't she? Because Olivia Coleman got famous and went missing after this series, really, didn't she? She sort of only appears oh. now and again, kind of thing. Like, she's obviously in it a lot when she's pregnant. Spoilers. Yeah, I guess that's true. But then, I don't think she's in seven or eight at all. Let's see what, uh, real quick here. Let's just see what IMDb says. Yes, IMBD will know, actually. That's a good point. If only there was a website that had compiled all this information for us. <laughs> I know, it would be fantastic, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> okay. So David Mitchell was in 54 episodes. Robert Webb was in 54 episodes. Matt King was in 36. Olivia Coleman, 33. Wow. Wow. I'm surprised it's as many as that. Well, here's what I'm really surprised about. Neil Fitzmorris, 21 episodes. Izzy Suddy, 19. Oh, really? Well, there you go. It's clearly perception, as my, my dislike of Dobby has coloured. Yeah, I'm surprised at that. 
If you had told me that Jeff was in more episodes of this than Dobby, I don't. I think I don't think I would have believed you. No, I guess Jeff is is so prominent in series one and two, though, isn't he? That he kind of gets twelve episodes just from just from those first two series. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Um, wow. Only so. How do you? Sorry, go. On. Episodes of Dobby. That when you put it in context of that, I mean, she's really not in that many episodes. No, she's not really. You're right. Anyways. So I know you're in quite a different camp about Dobby than I am. So talk to me about how you felt about Dobby going in. Uh, your first impressions of her. Um. So my first impressions of her was I thought that we were going to have a girlfriend for Jeremy and not necessarily, yeah, right, not necessarily okay. Mark. Um. Mostly just because. Well, I think Jeremy would agree with you yeah. later on, wouldn't he? Um, yeah, just mostly <laughs> because. And I know you and I have kind of talked about this um, off podcast before. Is that just Dobby just does not really seem like the kind of girl that Mark would go for. No, not even remotely. Or she doesn't seem like the sort of girl he would go for in some ways. And yet in some ways she's so the sort of girl he would go for. Like with the World of Warcraft stuff and the, you know, all the geeky stuff. That it's like, okay, you've just written you've written someone who's got all the same interests as Mark in a way. Like, I know she's not into history and stuff, but then her, like, you're right, her worldview is so different from Mark's that there's no way they can possibly work together. Yeah. I always felt like the World of Warcraft stuff was just kind of a product of the time because when those episodes came out, World of Warcraft was pretty much at its, like, zenith of popularity. I mean, I have to take your word for that, but yeah, that would make sense because it's not, like, an intrinsic part of her personality. No, it's... She never talks about World of Warcraft or whatever the fuck they call it in, in Peep Show. She also does the live action role playing and you know, that's not like a real uh that's not like a real huge part of her character either, but I don't know. Maybe this just goes back No, I mean I've got a friend who he doesn't do that so much now because he's got a baby. But he used to do that a lot, particularly when he was single, and it was like his whole life, like every weekend was live action role playing and you know, she like you say, it's mentioned maybe once that she does it, like or that she's at it, but it doesn't seem to be something that she's doing very often because she's doing other stuff. Yeah. So is this the is this the friend that also played Warhammer forty thousand that we talked about? Yeah, it is, yeah, same guy. Pete. He um he's he is a he's not so much a geeky guy anymore because like I say, he's found a wife and a has got a baby. But um when he was single, yeah, he was he was heavily into all that stuff. Oh, that's uh, <laughs> sorry, just laughing because that's all stuff that I did well into my thirties. So, <laughs> oh, he was well into his thirties too. He um, so he I introduced he he was the friend of my boyfriend who I who I burnt his stuff in a bin. That guy, they were friends, and then Pete started going out with my best friend, and then when me and Bing guy broke up, Pete just you know sort of came my way i got pete in the breakup and uh he he married my best friend oh. so sweet but he's older than us he's like in his 40s it's cool now. how that worked out for you yeah it's nice it was nice for nice for all of us i think that we all got away from bing guy and he got white yeah habit. uh he sounds like he came out a winner for sure <laughs> yeah all right so into this episode we go um uh, this is like i said we are at a point of no return now. We are in the Dobby years. so. Yes. I mean, I, I said at the start of my notes, and I stand by this, like having watched it again, 
that this isn't the worst Dobby we see. <laughs> this is she she's not she irritates me. She irritates me for all sorts of reasons that I'm sure I'm gonna talk about over the course of the episodes, but she's not as bad here as she later becomes. Alright. Well, before we meet Dobby, we see Mark and Mark is still kind of in the throes of his depression from you know, fucking up his wedding and, you know, fucking up his date the week before or however long that was, um, you know. But he thinks that maybe he's just fucked things up so bad that he can live free. Yeah, he's, he thinks he's fucked his life up, he's totally fucked, but maybe that's a good thing because now everything's so fucked, he's got to have a new plan. I mean, sometimes you do get to the point where you're just so low that the only way you can go is back up, so... Yeah, and I think this might be where Mark is at this point. And um, and Jeremy's actually quite mature and understanding, isn't he, here, in a way that is quite under. I know, I, I, I liked in your notes how you mentioned that this was like the start of life coaching Jeremy, and yeah. Yeah, I think this might be the beginning of, of when he thought, you know what, I could be a life coach. Life coaching Jeremy, by the way, is my like absolute favorite iteration of Jeremy. Yeah, I'm also a big fan of life coaching Jeremy, so it's good to see the, the sort of genesis of that here. Yeah. Um, Mark talks about how he could go be a scoutmaster, and Jeremy makes a snide remark about how you have to be a pedo to want to work with kids. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I've got obviously me and my husband are both teachers, um, but I figure that that's like if you're being paid to do it, you know, your interest in children is probably fine. But my all of my in laws, for some this is really odd, um, they're probably now going to start listening to the podcast and hear all of this, but I don't care. All of my in-laws are really heavily into the Sea Cadets, which is like the Scouts, but on water, which is really weird because we're not from anywhere near the sea. None of them grew up anywhere near the sea, but they all do this like Scouts of the Sea thing. And my father-in-law is like, I don't know, a colonel in this weird world they've created for themselves. And my sister-in-law and my brother-in-law are like instructors. And me and my husband often say, why would you work with children if you weren't being paid to do it? Like, we do this because we're paid to do it. What's in it for you? So I think I'm with Jeremy on this. As Mark and Jeremy are having this pedo discussion, um, Mark talks about how great his years in the Scouts were, and Jeremy brings up a gentleman named Kinky Layton, um, <laughs> who engaged in some old-style pedoing before it got <laughs> such a bad name. I see he's someone I want to hear more about, Kinky Layton. I enjoy the idea of... Uh, of a, a pedo schoolmaster in Mark's <laughs> past. I think it explains a lot of stuff, I have to yeah, say. Yeah, but even Kinky Layton wasn't interested in Mark. He was interested in another child. Oh, in uh, Duncan... Uh, what was his surname? Jesus, what is it? Johnson? Duncan Johnson? Uh, yeah, I can't remember. But yeah, because he was a doe-eyed little flirt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Duncan Carpenter. Oh, that's right. Duncan yeah. Carpenter, the doe-eyed flirt. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we have our, our three-person crew. We can have European Bob, Chemical Kev, and Kinky Layton in our Peep Show spinoff series. Oh, yeah, of course. Like like the A-Team, three of them. That sounds, yeah, I would watch that. Yeah, well, Chemical Kev would be Jeremy, European Bob would be Mark, <laughs> and Kinky Layton would be Superhands. <laughs> yeah. Um, before uh... the conversation can really keep continuing, there's a knock at the door, and Jeremy goes and answers the door, and it is... Barney, who is Sophie's cousin, and yep. Ian, Sophie's dad, and they are bringing by the wedding tuna. Yes. Um, question for you. Do you think that Barney was introduced 
because they couldn't get the actor back who played the brother. Because surely this is meant to be Sophie's brother. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. So Barney is kind of a stand-in here for Jamie, who we met in the previous series, I feel. He's, he's, he's essentially the same character. They've become the same character in my head. Um, and they Jeremy answers the door... And yeah, like you say, they're bringing back the wedding tuna, which is, this is one of my favourite peep show things ever, because it's never explained, the wedding tuna. We just accept that there is wedding tuna, and Mark has been bought half yeah. of it. And, um, and uh, Barney asks Jeremy if he will listen to his CD. Yeah, and he also mentions that, Jer- uh, he also m- reminds Jeremy that him that he and Jeremy got high out in the parking lot together at the wedding. Yes, smoking something that may or may not have been pot. I mean, do you think they were not smoking pot? Well, doesn't Barney say that that we were smoking that stuff that turned out not to be... Hold on, I... He says something along those lines, If he said that, I completely missed that. Let's have a look. Series five. I've got my book open. Oh yeah, yeah. We went to the car park and we smoked that dope that I bought that turned out not to be dope. So yeah. I imagine yeah. that some unscrupulous drug dealer saw poor naive Barney and just sold him some uh tea, tea, tea leaves. leaves or like oregano or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Poor Jeremy. Um, so yeah, so poor Jeremy, poor Jeremy, poor Barney. So Barney and Barney and Ian leave and Jeremy takes the tuna into Mark into the kitchen and Mark is upset by the sight of the wedding tuna. It seems to have brought it all back. I like how he tells Jeremy to like throw it in the bin and then before Jeremy can throw it into the bin he's like, Never mind, just freeze it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not let's not be rash. Yeah, let's not be rash. Um, so Jeremy Jeremy throws puts the tuna in the freezer and he explains what's going on and it turns out that Sophie is gonna be going back to work. Three weeks early. Yes, um, Mark's upset by this because it's outside the terms of the treaty um, and we gather from this that they've had some sort of conversation where they've decided they're both going to have six weeks off or she's going to have six weeks off um, and she is gone, she's decided that she's going to go back to work before that. Yeah, uh, what a what an evil thing to do. <laughs> yeah, where do they work? They can just have six weeks off. I thought this, what office would give you six weeks off? Yeah, that's pretty insane that GLB is willing to give... Um... Sophie, like six weeks of um, um, six weeks of just like vacation like that when you know. Yeah, I mean, if I know if I know Johnson, she's not being paid for it, so yeah, there's that. But it, yeah, it does seem weird that they've let her have all this time off. Um, but Mark decides that if you know if she's coming back, then he's gonna have he's gonna have to have a PR wall with her. Like he's gonna make sure that he comes off the better man in this scenario. Yeah, I, I've i never dated somebody that I worked with, so I would have to imagine that this would be such a fucking strange occurrence. Yes, I mean, I've only... I have I have only once, and I married him, so yes, it would have been weird if we'd split up. I can see that that would be odd. I mean, I remember I dated a girl in the Air Force that wasn't even stationed at my... or that was stationed at my base, but in a completely different office from me, and I felt like this was like a worst case fucking scenario i couldn't imagine like working with somebody <laughs> oh it had to be terrible yeah but i guess i guess this should have gone through mark's head before he decided to propose and then didn't propose and then jilted her so you know he's only got himself no 100 percent. yeah 100 percent 
Uh, so he decides that he's going to Mandelson her. He says that nobody wanted New Labour, but now we all know how it works, and he's going to get his PR strategy in place for the morning. Can you explain that joke to me? Because as a dumb American, yes, so I didn't he... get it. <laughs> so uh, Peter Mandelson was one of the people responsible for the so-called spin in New Labour, which was the incarnation of Labour under Tony Blair that was very popular when they first came into office. And he uh, he was well known for being great at PR. He could spin anything. He could spin things however he wanted him. Oh, okay. That makes complete and that makes total sense. Yeah, he was like a, a guru of PR. Like, less seen less so as a good thing now, but back in the day, that was what he was known for. That was his skill. That was his skill. Huh, okay. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. I think yeah. our president had somebody who was able to spin him as a good president, too. So, <laughs> Wait, what? I'm sorry. Um, uh, Jeremy Jeremy mentions to Mark that Mark has been chain-eating roasts. And, uh, yeah. Um, Another of my favorite peep show things that, again, this is never referred to again outside of this episode. It's really weird. But I just love the idea that Mark is coping with his crisis here by just chain eating roasts. Well, he also does that with the lasagnas, doesn't he? Oh, of course. Yeah, he does. Yeah, maybe this is his reaction to stress. Yeah. Um, so next scene, Mark is back at JLB for his first time. And um, Mark is walking in slowly into JLB. And he's just like, I'm walking into the jaws of death. I'm walking into the jaws of death. The jaws of death are the best to be, are best to be avoided. Yes. He um he starts sort of praying and says that he'll believe in Jesus if Sophie's not looking his way when he walks past the <laughs> desk. And lo and behold, she isn't. So he says that that's good, but he's going to need more proof, actually, to believe in yeah. Jesus. Uh, Mark goes into the little room that I once called a tea cozy and was promptly informed that that is not a tea cozy. <laughs> um, but he's going to make some tea and he's got this little electric tea kettle, which I actually think I have that same electric tea kettle. And... um. You know, he's like, oh, all my, everyone hates me. I'm a social pariah. And then we see good old Lisa. And Lisa just looks at him and she says, Mark, I think you're a real piece of shit. And Mark. Yeah, she starts it, doesn't she, in a pleasant way. So you think she's going yeah. to like offer some some sympathy or some sage words of advice. But no, she just says he's a real piece of shit. Yeah. Do you think she's been saving that in since the Project Zeus debacle? Yeah, probably. She's probably hated him this whole time, and now she's just got an excuse to say it yeah. out loud. Her exact quote is, Mark, I just want to say about the wedding and everything, I think you're a real piece of shit. <laughs> and then and then Mark is just like, that's fair. Lisa's a very fair person. <laughs> um, next scene that we get is the very, very infamous... Um, uh, Big Beat Manifesto that you have heard every time you listen to this podcast. Yes. Um, um, Hans and Jeremy are listening to Barney's CD and Hans is, he's obviously enjoying it, but he thinks it's their stuff <laughs> and asks Jeremy if they made it, um, which causes me to wonder how high are they most of the time that they're making their music that Hans doesn't even know that it's his. No, I really enjoy that part where uh, you hear the music playing in the background and it's actually like really good. And Jeremy's just like, oh, no, that's not us. That's a civilian, a simple shit muncher. <laughs> um, Jeremy says uh, that it's just complicated. This is like musical stuff. And, uh, and Dead Hand says maybe they should be doing complicated stuff. And that's when Jeremy says that 
isn't that against the or Hans says it's against the Big Meat Manifesto. Um and this is when, like you say, the infamous Big Meat Manifesto comes across, which is one of my favourite peep show things, the Big Meat Manifesto. It it was. I, I fucking love that whole part where uh Jeremy's just like, isn't that against the Big Beat Manifesto? And Superhands is like, have you read the Big Beat Manifesto? And Jeremy asked, did they write like, it no. down? Yeah, that's... Uh... Yeah, did we write it down? And Superhands is just like, Big Beats are the best, get high all the time. And then Jeremy just says, right. At the time, it seemed like a much more all-encompassing philosophy. Um, They then start talking about whether or not they should essentially plagiarize Barney's music. And then Jeremy says, this is the sort of thing we should be doing. And they somehow managed to twist it around to the fact that somehow psychically Barney's stolen their idea and actually this is exactly the sort of thing they would do so they can pass it off as their own. Uh, and I, and Tan says that, that, that he's nicked their idea and done it back to him. I fucking really love that line where they're, um, where they're, uh, where Hans is like, we should send this around to, to different companies because this is the best representation of the music that we made. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, I love everything. This scene is yeah, great. I, it's, a, it's a brilliant scene. Is so goddamn brilliant funny. Brilliant show scene. Uh, one of the best in this episode, or generally, I think, just in the series. Uh, and I think it really shows as well the kind of uh, the not just the relationship between Hans and Jeremy, but their whole yeah, their whole musical philosophy. Like their whole band band in inverted commas has come out of this belief that they're ideas are great but they can't actually get it off the ground to make it happen yeah i like how uh jeremy is just like sometimes it's really hard to do your own actual ideas <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah i love that scene that's scene is fantastic it's it's probably i don't know i would say it's kind of up there with eating mummy in terms of like just kind of iconic like parts. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I don't know. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, but you know, yeah. the the overall uh, message that we get from this scene is that they're about to plagiarize poor Barney's music, which seems low even for them. Yeah, yeah, it seems really, it seems really low. Um, but at the same time, like, I feel like that there's probably a lot of music that was actually written that way, where somebody hears something and is like, oh, oh, we should just take that and make that ours, and then they kind of spin it around and then. You know, next thing you know. That's true. Yeah, everything Oasis ever wrote probably came out of that philosophy. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. So, next we go back to JLB, <laughs> and um, Mark is in like a little cafe. They're in like a little cafeteria area. Yeah. And this, this is this is the point of no return because after this scene, Dobby's here. Dobby's to stay. here. Yeah. Um, yep. Sophie is at a table with some other women looking very sad and she does look genuinely so sad here oh my god she looks like she's like weeping openly at the table and all the women are just staring like fucking daggers at Mark Yeah, um, and Mark thinks that the crying is going to do really well with the floating voters here um, I, did, I wrote in my notes here god women are awful which isn't very it's not in solidarity with the sisterhood but there is a real, particularly in workplaces and especially, I remember this from being at school, um, there's a real thing with, like, if a girl's upset and other girls get involved, it also, it doesn't matter if you 
if you care about the girl, it doesn't matter if you actually believe in what they're upset about, but the women all start getting on the bandwagon and ganging up against whoever's done it. And it's just, it's a really bad side of, of women in the workplace here that we see. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully at my job, I've never really experienced that. Um, but I could definitely, uh, I could definitely see how, uh, I mean, and I think even men to an extent are kind of the same way where they're just like, oh my God, such and such is, oh, what a bitch. Oh, she, she, she's such a bitch. Oh, what a horrible person. And then, you know, you get all your, your bros together and they're like, yeah, fuck her. Yeah, you see it loads in teaching because it's such a female centric environment. And I went to an all girls school. So this is something I'm very familiar with. Yeah. So at this point, Mark is kind of, Mark is kind of worried about Sophie turning everybody against him. So everything that Mark does from here on out, he's like really um, trying to watch himself and, you know, think is what I'm doing appropriate. Yeah. Um, at this point, he sees one person who's kind of sitting by herself. And so he, you know, asks like, hey, can I sit here? And this elfish kind of girl looks up at him and is just like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Uh, she appears to be reading the Beano or some sort of comic. That bothered me. I'd never noticed that before, which just made me hate her more. And in my notes, I've written fucking hate her, hipster fringe nonsense. Um, yeah, just just from immediately disliked everything about her, which is nothing against the actress. I've got no problem. And I've seen some of Izzy Suti's comedy on her own and I read a book and it was very good but this character just dislike and disliked from the outset I hate what she's wearing I hate her stupid fringe yeah for those of us who don't know what Beano is what is oh it's Beano? a comic like for children oh <laughs> <laughs> for some reason it doesn't strike me as weird that she is reading yeah it. I suppose it is exactly the sort of thing a fucking hipster would do yeah um, she has this like huge block of cheese or, or um, yeah she has this huge like block of cheese and she's like scraping some of her cheese off into her own salad and um, she just offers some of the cheese to Mark and Mark like it's like oh if I'm seen if I'm seen sharing uh, well I guess I kind of jumped a little ahead of myself but she says that her name is Debbie but everybody just calls her Dobby of course they do and Mark <laughs> yeah mark introduces himself as mark but you've probably heard of me by some other horrible offensive name and she's just like what what i, I don't know what you're talking about yeah, she's clearly not been involved in the kind of office politics at this point um nope. she explains that she is an it misfit who goes from office to office um she then helps mark to block the abusive emails he's been getting after he says that he's known by some other offensive names he explains that uh this just made stuff but have a look at the can you help me block these emails when he hears that she's an it guru and she's shocked clearly by what she's reading because there's some quite unpleasant stuff in his inbox yeah yeah and uh so she kind of like looks at some of the mail that he's got in there and there's stuff that's like um there's stuff that says like oh shove it up your gob you cock muncher and all that kind of stuff and then um stick your bollocks up your gob I yeah stick your bollocks uh, up she, your she gob delivers, <laughs> she delivers very well in a kind of northern monotone yeah it's it's so goddamn funny and 
So she sets the emails up to be automatically blocked with like a return message of um uh let's see here. Uh, hold on. Come and sit on my hairy dick, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you come and yeah. You're a piece of shit shitter, stuff your bollocks up your gob, fuck off, shut up and die are the emails that Mark is getting. And then Dobby says like Okay, Jeff, Lisa, Paul, their emails are going to junk. You can check them in if you want. Plus, I've got an auto-reply offering them to come and sit on your hairy dick. And Mark looks, like, really, like, oh, fuck. And then Dobby's just like, ah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I'm interested to hear, as a ma like, from a man's point of view, whether or not she's attractive. Because I've, I've, I've known quite a few men who did find her attractive, and I don't get it at all and i don't get what mark sees you know um so nothing against izzy suddy again i think she's probably a very nice person wonderful person etc but there's sometimes where i'm like man she is hot and then sometimes i look at her and i'm just like eh she's okay the she so she looks much more attractive when she comes back in season nine, I think, and she's got a haircut yeah. and and like a style. Whereas this is kind of I don't know, like previous Dobby is just yeah, she just looks like hips. The the former co host thought that she was like the hottest person in the show. Yeah, do not get it. Do not see it. Yeah. Um Let's see here. Um, Mark is like really being very cautious about how he is interacting with Dobby right here because he um, he keeps calling Dobby a uh, what does he call her floating vote? Oh, the, the no, the other people, the floating voters. She's oh, the uh, she, hanging. Yeah, he keeps chat. calling her an undecided. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he keeps calling her an yeah. undecided voter, and he's very like worried about every interaction that he's doing with her. Um, I really like when he she pulls out like the huge block of cheese, and he's just like, "Are you allowed to do that here? Are you allowed to bring in your own cheese?" Personal cheese. I mean, I feel the pain. I don't know. I don't know if jacket potatoes are like a staple of works canteens over there, but they're the sort of thing you always get in every mass catering situation. Is jacket potato, and the cheese is always like like rubber. It's always nasty. So I get her point that she's bringing in proper cheese. <laughs> But then again, you're American, so probably the cheese, probably you think your cheese is like plastic cheese anyway. Whoa, shots fucking fired here. <laughs> no, but it's like, like the kind of cheese I'm talking about is that like mild kind of like rubbery cheese that's, that's what you get on potatoes in works canteens. Is that like, that's normal cheese to you guys, isn't it? My favorite kind of cheese is sharp cheddar. So, right, okay. I don't so even, you're like, I don't know proper. what other people kind of cheese people like, but I really dig sharp cheddar. Oh, good. As long as you're in the camp with the rest of us and Dobby, and her, that's clearly she's got mature cheddar because she's a smoker. She says that she's a smoker. She needs flavor. What is she saying, like, smoke cigarettes? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because like indulge your sense of taste, doesn't it? Yeah. Which is weird because you never see her smoke in the series. No, you don't. No, she, you're right. You never see her smoke. I also, she also says man cheddar, and I don't know. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, it always cracks that that always cracks me up because man cheddar to me has such a different connotation. 
What does it mean to you? I was Manchester just. Oh, do you mean like? Oh, no, like what Mark does. What Mark <laughs> does later. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was thinking like. I just take it to mean like mature. No, gender. I just. It's funny because she's just like, I'm a smoker. I need that man cheddar, and I. It just that line. I don't know. Right. Okay. <laughs> I understand. I understand what you mean. Anyways, uh, so. Mark is Mark also chides himself and says, you know, be careful, Clinton. You don't want to get in trouble. And as somebody who grew up in the Clinton years, that line really cracks me up too. <laughs> I was always when I was at school and that all broke, uh, people used to say I look like Monica Lewinsky, which I don't really think is true, but I had I had dark hair then. Did you did people said that you looked like Monica Lewinsky? Yeah. Holy yeah, shit, with dark a... hair. Yeah, I could kind of see that. Just a look not like yeah. not like cr- and I didn't wear glasses either then. So, I mean, she's not, not unattractive, so I didn't take it as a, an insult, but this was something that quite a few people said. Hold on. I'm, let me see what she looks like. Do Oh, my God, yeah. Without the glasses, I could totally see that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This was something that used to get said to me a lot. Yeah. By the by. <laughs> um, let's see. Next, next scene is really, really goddamn funny. Uh, we've got Barney and Jeremy and they're hanging out in Jeremy's bedroom. <laughs> yes. Um, so Barney is sort of awestruck by Jeremy, like he is a superstar. And he's kind of looking around his room and he's like, oh, this is such a great room, which is patently not true because it's half painted <laughs> and tiny. Um, and he picks up Jeremy's jeans and like holds them against him. And he says, look, I'm Jeremy. I've got loads of girlfriends and hash. Look at my jeans. And, uh, and Jeremy's just like, oh, yeah, I think I found someone to do my hoover yeah. in. Oh, my God. That part, like, just really, really cracks me up where he's just. It's a much underrated piece of peep show, which I do quite often with my husband's shoes. I quite often put my husband's shoes on and say, I'm Phil and I've got loads of girlfriends and hash. This, is, this happens a lot in our house. It's a, it's a line that I find very, very funny. Probably more funny than the actual humor of it. Would yeah, suggest. I enjoy this. I enjoy this whole part just where Barney is just fucking just drooling over jeremy and it's like the sexual you could cut the sexual tension with a knife yeah um super hands comes back in and he's carrying some papers and he says that he has drawn up a contract on the professor yaffle's computer meaning mark uh which is a very funny line do you understand that nope. it's from bagpuss he was the he was the, the wise old owl in bagpuss um and okay they've drawn okay. up a contract um they've drawn up a contract and barney sort of looks at it and says maybe i should show this to my dad's solicitor um the part that actually really like concerns me about this whole thing is that uh how the fuck does Superhands know how to even use a computer let alone type <laughs> well what mark then goes on to say about the contract might suggest that he doesn't but i mean he would have had to excuse me he would have had to have uh, typed up something. That's true. Something has been typed up. Yeah. So, I mean, it has been, something has been typed up. So, um, you know, he apparently somewhat knows how to type. <laughs> yeah. Um, he then, um, Mark then enters the room and he is, he looks downtrodden, doesn't he here? He looks sad from his day at work with, the floating voters and generally trying to start his own PR company or, or this liar. Um, and he's surprised to see Barney. Yeah. In the room with and him. he's like, Barney, what are you doing here? And Jeremy's just like, Oh, he's in the band now. And Barney just looks at Mark and he's like, yeah, they drew up this contract. Do you think I should sign it? 
Yeah, um, Barney asks Mark this and Mark says, looks at it and says, I don't even know where you'd sign it. A lot of these aren't real sentences. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Superhands, uh, just he responds, it's legalese, keep your beak out of it. And um, at this point, Barney offers to go get Mark. Um, he asks Mark if um, he wants him to get any food when he goes to get Jeremy food. And um, Yeah, he's going to the shop. Yeah, he's gonna go. Uh, he's gonna go get cheese McCoys, Ribena, and a twirl. Yes, um, and I imagine this to be like a dodgy corner shop, like probably Mister Patel's shop, because <laughs> uh, that's exactly the kind of fare that they would sell in there. Um, Mark says he's fine for, for anything from the shop, and Barney leaves the room, repeating the the things over and over, so he remembers. Yeah. Um, Jeremy and Jeremy announces to Mark that they have a. Or, uh, uh, excuse me, Mark asked Jeremy, like, why the hell Sophie's um, cousin is here? Like, why is he part of the band? And Jeremy lets him know that they have a gig down at the fuck bunker and that um, and everything needs to be tied down with the contract. What kind of an establishment do you think the fuck bunker is? And does it have an does it have a sign outside saying it, it's called the fuck bunker? No, I always imagine the fuck bunker to be like a club night in a already established club. Like, is that something that you're familiar with? So, especially in like student towns, um, they have club nights that are called stupid things in already established nightclubs. So, like Thirsty Thursdays, and I don't know, yeah, stupid oh, things okay, like that. Yeah, so I always yeah. think, yeah, I always think that the, the fuck bunker is the name of a night at this club. Oh, okay, okay. I thought I was thinking it was like the name of the actual establishment. I hope not. I don't think you can get away with that sign. Yeah, that's what I was wondering is like fuck bunker. Just wait for the <laughs> fuck bunker. Um I I like one thing that uh Mark also says is as Barney um is getting ready to leave to go pick up their stuff, Mark uh he again asks Mark if he should sign the contract and Mark just looks at him and he's like go for it dude <laughs> yeah yeah he's like what do i care go for it dude. yeah what do i care go um, for it dude <laughs> yeah um and then at the end of this scene mark asks if barney is sucking jez off and uh jez sort of looks affronted and then han says yeah he probably would and this clearly sets in motion some thoughts for oh jez my and god uh, <laughs> probably one of the phrases that mark probably regrets the most in the history of this show yeah yeah you're right um yeah but it's clear that barney's gonna be sucking somebody off by the end of this episode yeah speaking of somebody getting off we get to what is one of the weirdest uh probably most uncomfortable parts of peep show yeah what was your reaction when you first saw this like what what did you what did you think initially after viewing this scene? Uh, so, I I seem to recall that my first reaction was like, what am I fucking watching here? Like, this is so strange. Yeah. Um, so basically, what happens is Mark is walking down to the stationary cupboard and he's kind of thinking about, you know, what to do about this Dobby situation, but that it's kind of hard because of, of everything with Sophie. Um, he walks into the stationary cupboard and Dobby is in there already. And Mark is just like, Oh, Hey Dobby. And she says that she's there to get some USB drives. And 
they're up on a top shelf and she asked Mark to like reach up to get her one and as he reaches up to get her one she just starts rubbing her ass against his dick area yeah yeah his area <laughs> yeah. and um there's this just very long uncomfortable scene with Mark wondering like does she know what she's doing? Like, why is she doing this? Am I doing a sexual assault? Um, <laughs> what else does he, what else does he say? Uh, <laughs> Captain Gorg. Captain Corrigan <laughs> is flying without a license. <laughs> and uh, this is, and of course, when you're actually watching this with Mark's internal monologue, it's pretty goddamn funny because you see how like uncomfortable that even Mark is with this whole situation. But on the peep show without monologue, it's just Mark standing there just getting, like, dry-fucked until he comes. She's not even moving that much either. Like, I know, obviously, like, for the purposes of comedy that they can have her sort of... But, like, she's barely moving. And the thing that really leaves a bad taste in my mouth with this is the actual conversation they're having about oh, cheese. God. And the... <laughs> That she says something. He says something about like, oh, oh no. She says, "I've got, I'm, I've brought in feta today." And he, and he says, "Oh, isn't that a sheep's cheese?" And she says, "Oh yeah, or I think a goat or something." Yeah. And it's just horrible. <laughs> oh, they're having they're having a conversation about, um, oh my god, they're having a conversation about cheese while Mark is like getting off in his pants. <laughs> Yeah, um, and then he realises that he's about to do a Chesnall Beach, which is a very obscure reference that I'll be very impressed if you got. Um, and then, yeah, he lets off in his pants. Yep, and uh, and then he excuses himself, he excuses himself, and then he walks out really quick, and then he's like, oh, maybe I should have at least had a snog. And, you know, it's just, it, like, it cracks me up that basically he's trying to think of, like, what would have been an appropriate way to end the end this whole thing so that it's not Yeah, weird. what would have been an appropriate way to end the weirdest sexual encounter in history. I do think that this is one of the weirdest scenes in any British comedy series, any comedy series ever. Like, it's just so random like it's so completely out of the blue it's not like anything we've ever really seen in peep show before or anything that we ever really see again yeah I, that's what i was gonna say because dobby is never that forward sexually like again no and doesn't even as their relationship progresses um in the this series and beyond like you say they do have sex that is that is spoken about and clear but like you say it's never She's not the the sex minx that she seems to be in this opening um, introduction to her. Yeah, it's so it's so strange. Like you would you would just think that like Dobby, like based off of based off of what we know about Dobby at this point. Well, here's my other question too. Like, what was Dobby gonna do if if Mark didn't come into that closet? Yeah, good point. She was looking for USB sticks. Maybe that maybe she just fancied him so much that she was overcome with but even still, if you're overcome with passion, I don't know, you think you would at least have a snog first rather than just Yeah, do that. Like it is it's weird. It's not how I would approach or have ever approached any kind of romantic encounter when I fancied someone. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I d I've never had anybody um come on to me like that 
<laughs> I believe the French called it frottage, and that is what is going on in that cupboard. I think only men can frottage. <laughs> I don't know. All I know is uh, I did a Louvoir, and frottage. Jesus is... Christ. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, I was yeah, going to no, say no, um, are... frottage is a is a art form of like literally rubbing. But our art te- our art teacher was like, "Don't Google that, though. Do not Google that on the school computers." Oh my yeah. god! Yeah. Wow, there's a whole Wikipedia article complete with pictures. Yeah, yeah, I bet there is. Yeah, and that's uh, why we weren't allowed to Google it at school. Yeah. Um. So Mark Mark is like, as soon as they're done, Mark is just like, "Oh, post-it notes," and then walks out, <laughs> and he's putting the, the post-it notes over his crotch so that. Uh, and then he's just like thinking about how like oh god he's gonna start chafing he's gonna start chafing so he decides to dip out through the um the the fire escape so that he can get into his car go home and change um unfortunately (laughs) he bumps into jeff and sophie who are getting high in the um in the stairwell yeah uh jeff calls mark the wedding crasher which amuses me a lot it's a line that always makes me laugh um (laughs) and sophie they're just high, aren't they? They're really high. And Sophie says that she's been thinking about things and she wants to give it another go. Mark seems surprised by this. And then she's, and he says, like, oh, really? Or something. And she says, of course I fucking don't. And she's just, like, <laughs> really... It really encapsulates, like, the weird, bitter place I was in at the time because I was, like, I was heartbroken and mad as well. And she's just... She plays that kind of heartbroken, mad, harpy role really well here. Yeah, this is another scene in this episode that I just fucking love where Sophie's like, oh, what's what's wrong in your with your pants? And um, Jeff is like, have you pissed yourself, Mark? And Mark's just like, yeah, I guess I have done a bit of a wee. And um, they start laughing at him, and Jeff is just like, you twat. And, uh, and they just keep laughing at him, and then Mark just walks out, and he's like, I win because they think that I pissed myself. Little do they know that I've come all in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> what is this workplace, though, that everyone's either frottaging or getting high? Like, no one's noticed this. I don't know. I I mean, I, I don't know much about marijuana, but it has, like, a pretty strong odor. Yeah, so... it's you can't miss it. Like, if you've ever had a neighbor, that which I had, especially if you live in a flat, he smokes a lot of weed. Like, we used to live next door to a guy who was permanently high and in a fog of his own smoke. And you can, it's, it comes through the walls. Like, there's no way they're smoking that and no one knows about it. Yeah, exactly. Like, nobody... Yeah, there's, like, no way that this could be disguised. No, not at all. <laughs> Even slightly. No. Um. So, back at the house, back at Apollo House... Um, Barney just comes out and he just looks at, at super hands and Jeremy and he's just like, I'm so hungry. Could I have an apple? <laughs> and super hands is like, what you think I'm made of apples? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They seem to be starving him to make him more creative. That seems to be their aim. Um, <laughs> um they start talking about how it, it doesn't like take long to make two minutes of music or whatever, or like however many minutes of music they want. Yeah. And and Barney's, you know, saying he's just so hungry. And they're like, look, we want like what was it they say we want three minutes of music? Like this shouldn't how long should this take you? Yeah. And uh finally Jeremy offers Barney a papadom and a bit of chutney. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm just um, trying to find the exact line that the uh, where is it that he says. Yeah, six minutes. I think they talk about six minutes, and it's six minutes of music. Yeah, and it's like two, two, two minutes per minute. That's all you should need. Yeah. Um, I think we're both doing the same thing right now. Yeah, here we are. Six minutes. How long could it take you to come up with three minutes of music? And then Superhand says six minutes max. And Jeremy says, that's being generous. That's two minutes per minute. And then... <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's when... Uh, that's when they say that he can have a poppadom and Jeremy yeah. thinks I'm so generous. I'm like a techno Gandhi. Yeah. And then at this point, super hands is this, he just, he says, "Oi, I was thinking about what Mark said the other day about Barney. And then he kind of looks at Barney and he goes, bet you would, wouldn't you? And Barney's just like, what? And super hands just says, suck one of us off. And Barney's just like, ha, ha, ha. no, no, I wouldn't. And, Jeremy just like flips a switch and takes it to a whole different level where he's like, what if I said you couldn't be in the band unless you sucked one of us off? And Barney still stands his ground saying, no, no, I wouldn't. Uh, but Superhands is like, ha, huh, you had to think twice. And then Superhands basically forces Barney to pick one of them. And um, hypothetically, if he had to suck one of them off, who would he suck off? And uh, Barney says, you know, Superhands and... Um, Jeremy looks super hurt in this scene and he's just like, you'd suck off super hands. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, of course he chooses super hands. Anyone would choose super hands in this scenario, wouldn't they? I mean, I might choose Jeremy at least. No, super hands is the more attractive out of the two of them, I think, in terms of like his edginess and also yeah, just from Barney's point of view, that like Superhands is the more impressive out of the two of them, I think. But he loves Jeremy. He has, like, a crush on Jeremy. I guess that's true. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. Superhands is more sexy. As as Callie says in a few episodes' time, he's just more fuckable. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, he is. Um, so, back at JLB, uh, Mark is, like, wondering if he can or should ask out Dobby, and he's kind of concerned about that. So, he's heading back to the little tea room to go make some tea but sadly enough pig and tea break is no more yeah the mug has been smashed to absolute shit and there is a post-it on it that just says oops butterfingers your clumsy wife which is brilliant yep and mark is pissed as would i be if my pig and tea break cup was was broken yeah i mean mugs are a very personal thing particularly at work if you've got a favorite mug and, you know, you're used to drinking out that mug. It's very upsetting to lose the mug, let alone have it smashed up maliciously. Is a pig and tea break, is that like an actual like company or is that just something that was created for this show? No, no, no it's, a, it's a purely peep show thing. Okay. Oh, I could get a pig and tea travel mug. Ooh. <laughs> Mark uh, then takes Sophie's mug from the, they've got like a little row of hooks with the names on. And he goes to smash it and can't bring himself to do it. Um, and he says that even the mob never hit the families. I like how English that is too, where he just like <laughs> refuses to just break the cup. Yeah. Um, and I love as well that it's like a free mug that's clearly come from a company. It's like Harpenden, and Harpenden, and Harpenden. And it's like, <laughs> oh, it's clearly a, like a promotional mug, but he can't even smash up the promotional mug. Yeah. Um, Alan then kind of, walks in and he just sees this broken mug and he's just like my god it's true isn't it i've <laughs> i've let this get out of my 
I, I've let this get out of hand. I can't believe I let this happen on my watch. And then he hands <laughs> yeah. Mark Sophie's mug and he's just like, are you going to break it? And she was like, no. Or excuse me, Mark says no. And then Alan just fucking crap, smashes the handle off of it, hands it to Mark and then walks out of the room. I love how he smashes the handle off like re- really slickly as well, like in one swift move and just puts it down. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, and I should also mention that Alan also says that he has sent Sophie home. That she's become unstable and she is not at at JLB anymore. Yeah, Sophie's going to work to stay with her parents for a while to recuperate. Yeah, this is uh, great news for Mark. Yes, he leaves the kitchen thinking that the bitch is back, which is a great line. And he decides to ask Dobby out. So he goes and tells her that his mate's doing a gig at the fuck bunker. And which... she asks him if that's what he calls the station recovered, which is a great <laughs> comeback. I love how quick she, I love how quick witted she is with that too. He's like, yeah. "Oh, my mates are playing a gig down at the fuck bunker," and she's just like, "Oh, is that what you call the stationary closet?" <laughs> and um, and then she just calls him out on being weird, and she's like, "Are you trying to be normal?" Oh, I've got mates, and they're doing a gig down the fuck bunker. Like that is quite funny how she calls him out on his trying to be kind of cool. Yeah, she's like, "Look at you trying to be a normal human." And Mark just <laughs> thinks, "Oh, Dobby, let me chew on your weird hair." She's probably <laughs> the one. Yeah. Um. Now we get to go to the aforementioned fuck bunker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna in- just in- insert this little Jeremy's little vagina monologues. <laughs> Um, just because I think it's, I just think it's really funny, but it's also like kind of strange for Jeremy. Yeah, it's a bit random, but yeah. Yeah. So here you go. A lot of women here. Hmm. Women. There they are, walking around, and they've all got them under their clothes, hiding there. But I know the secret. Vaginas. She's got one. She's got one. She's got one. She's definitely got one. She's trying to make out she hasn't got one, but I know she has. Got to stop thinking about vaginas. It's my big night. Mmm, vaginas. (laughs) Oh my god, that... (laughs) One thing I love about this episode, this particular episode, is there's just these, like, weird random things that just happen... But it all fits, like, in the context. Like, the vagina stuff. Like, like why is Jeremy so obsessed with that all of a sudden? Yeah, it's weird that he just thinks of it. But I guess this is just how Jeremy's weird brain works. And I guess when you think about it, it is weird. It's like anything. When you start really thinking about it, it's really strange. I mean, like, like I've put in my notes this. It's weird when you think that everyone came out of the vagina. Like, after I gave birth, I had this period where I kept thinking... It's really weird that everyone has been born, like most people have been born in this way. And it's actually really weird. And it's something no one talks about. And everyone's just going around having babies out of their vaginas. And I came out of one, you came out of one, but no one talks about it. So I think Jeremy's having one of those moments. Yeah. Um, He goes into the back and um, uh, Superhands is like, come on, Barney, come on out, come on out. And Jeremy's just like, Superhands, what what the hell's happened? And... um, and then, but then he pauses and he just goes, "You did, didn't you?" <laughs> yeah. Um, Barney's chucked up in the the loose, and Jeremy kind of shouts through that he's got to come out, and 
says something about Superhands, and Barney just shouts out, he's a fucker. Yeah. He's a fucker, and then <laughs> Superhands says that they only did it once. <laughs> what do you think that... Why do you think he said that Superhands is a fucker? Like, what... I mean, obviously, he's made him suck him off, but... Do you think that he's also like he's he's broken Barney's heart in some way? Like what what is going on to have made Barney so upset? Uh, maybe just drugs and being coerced into giving another man a blowjob. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, that probably would be upsetting. Uh, Jeremy asks why, why basically, and um, Han says that Iggy, Bowie, Lou Reed, Tupac—they're all sucking each other off. He's backstage. Someone's got to be sucking someone off. Um. And uh, Jez makes the point here that they need Barney out because they don't know how to play their music. Um, and he says that he was just going to play the maracas and give the hotties his sex eyes. Yep. At this point, they're called on to stage and um, Superhands just tells Jeremy to go out and keep the crowd happy and he'll work on uh, getting Barney out. Um, as Jeremy is heading towards the stage, he just he just warns Superhands, you know, all right. And don't make him suck you off. Just get him out there without any more sucking off. Um, Mark and Dobby have arrived at the fuck bunker. And Mark orders two bottles of premium lager and two double whiskeys. And he's just, him and Dobby are just getting ready for a fun night of drinking. Yeah, he says uh, he hands over his money and thinks don't keep the change. And I was intrigued to see that he gives a £10 note. Uh, you would not be able to get that stuff for a tenner now. And you certainly wouldn't get any change from it. So uh, times were very different back yeah. in 2008. Yeah. So Jeremy gets on stage and um, I think I might play this part too. Because this part also mm -hmm. very, very funny. Hey everyone. So great. Um, we're almost ready. But um, before we rock you, um, we need to find out, um, are you ready? Yeah! Yeah, okay. But are you really, are you really, really, really ready? Yeah! Great, you're really, you're ready. So, yeah, yeah, so you're ready to party. Okay, we know that now. But my next What is he saying? Is, are you ready to party hard right here, right now? He's just talking words out of his mouth. Mega. He's just talking words out of his mouth. I like Mark's reaction to the whole situation. I really enjoy how like massively unhit Jeremy is here as well when he just says Mega and it kind of breaks my heart a little bit. Was Mega like a hot like British slang word for a while? No, never. Oh. <laughs> or if it was, it was in about 1983. So I think Jeremy's a little bit behind the times. Um, so... After Jeremy's died a horrible death on stage, Mark and Dobby decide to go to the interior of the ladies' room. Yes, um, I hate Dobby here. This is a this is part. This is exactly one of those things about Dobby that I really hate. So they go into the loos, and she Mark says something along the lines of like, "Oh, it's nice to see that the ladies are as horrible as the gents." And she says, "Yeah, it used to be all nice and pink, but then feminism happened," and I just like. I feel like the writers sat down and they said, right, we've had a focus group. We haven't got enough kooky female characters. Let's write a kooky female character. And this is what happened. Like, this is how we got Dobby. This irritates me. Yeah, I mean, I definitely could see that. Um, like I said, I I don't mind Dobby. Um, she has personality quirks that I don't really like, uh, especially later on. But 
I think it's kind of like a foil to Mark. She's not bad. I can see that she works as a foil to Mark, but like, and so, like I say, I, I can, I'm more tolerant of her at some points than others. And throughout most of this episode, I'll say that she's not as bad as what she becomes later on. But this particular bit, I just think, yeah, that was two men right, sitting writing what they thought a kooky female would say. <laughs> um. So as they as they are sitting in the urinal or a urinal, sorry, you guys don't have urinals in there. As they're sitting in the stall, they start to kiss and they hear kind of like vomiting sounds coming from the next stall over. Um, Mark is just like, oh, don't worry about that. It's normal. She's on drugs. She's probably having the time of her life. <laughs> as he's saying this, a foot, the foot from next door kind of slides under the little stall wall into their stall and Mark realizes whose boot that is and he knows that Sophie is next door to him. Yes, he says, I know that boot, I know that crying sound. Um and they Dobby's Dobby wants to see that this woman next door is alright. Um and then <laughs> Sophie makes it clear that she knows Mark and Dobby sort of looks in surprise. And then says, you know, you know each other. And, and Sophie says, yeah, I'm his wife. Yeah, but the way she says it, she's just like, I'm his wife. <laughs> like, Dobby is surprised by this. Um, but surely she would have heard the office gossip, even if she's just like a floating, in and out IT guy. She's not had her ear to the ground, has she, that she's not heard about this? No, she definitely does not uh, have her finger on the pulse of office gossip. No. Um... And then Mark thinks that he's been caught out like Angus Deaton or Harold Shipman, which really makes me laugh because that is not the same level of crime. Yeah. Um, Mark tr is trying to, you know, reassure Dobby like, oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about. She's off her head on street drugs. And then he just kind of shouts in her face, what drugs are you on, Sophie? <laughs> and she just looks at him and she's just like, who knows? Who the fuck cares? And then, um, uh, he says that I thought you were with your mum and dad and she yeah. says that she ran away from home <laughs> yeah I ran away from home to see Barney thanks dickhead <laughs> and um, at this point Dobby is kind of like pissed so she kind of just storms out of the bathroom and um, Sophie just yells and you're not going to get Nana's cottage you know so that you can shove that up your asshole <laughs> yeah which is another great line yeah Mark kind of lifts Sophie up to kind of help her out of the escort her out of the bathroom at this point, and she just she just looks at Mark and she says, "Oh, you're like a life support machine." And Mark takes that as a compliment, and he just says, "Oh, thank you, Sophie." And she goes, "Except instead of bringing you of bringing life, you suck it out of all the people around you." <laughs> and then to close the scene, he just thinks, "My beautiful wife." Yeah, yeah, he's just that. He's like, mm, "Thanks." Like he can't really. He knows he's in the wrong here, so he knows he just has to take it. Is he really? I mean, is he really in the wrong, though? Well, I guess he jilted her and, like, yeah, I suppose she's a mess because of him, isn't she? Yeah. Or she's, I mean, she's not. She was a, She was going to be a mess anyway, but... That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, she's in the state she's in because of what happened with the wedding, so I guess he's, like, got enough humility to know that he just has to suck it up. Yeah. Um, so now we get the closing scene of the episode and it just starts with, um, <laughs> with Barney and he just keeps repeating over and over. I want to go home. I want to go home. I want to go home. And, um, 
Ian, they get him into Ian's car, and um, so Ian just says, you know, I'll take care of him. Thank you very much. And Superhan says, all right, Granddad, hold on. And he's still trying to get, like, Barney to stay so that they can play music. And he says that um, he's on, he's in a K-hole right now, but in 10 minutes, the speed will kick in. Can of Coke and a Siggy, and he'll be as right as rain. <laughs> yeah, that is, that's Dr. Hans's analysis here. Oh, God. It, I mean, it just sounds like every bullshit thing that, like, a drug addict would suggest, like, <laughs> oh, you know, the best yeah. way to get over heroin withdrawal is to smoke some crack, you know? Have you ever have you ever seen With Now and I? What's that? Have you ever seen With Now and I, the film? I'm sorry, I couldn't... What, what movie? With Now and I. Oh, no, I haven't. Okay, so um, it's like an iconic British sort of student film. And the character of Danny the drug dealer was apparently what Superhands was based on. And he's always got like little tidbits of advice like this. And this is a very <laughs> Danny the drug dealer kind of tidbit of advice that he's giving out here. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, no, I haven't seen that, but that's really it's a great. It's a great film. You should watch it. It's very, it's very English, but I think you'd appreciate it. It's about a couple of their, um, they are drama graduates who are keen to make it in the theatre and they are but they're not and they're living in poverty and they're just drunk and stroke on drugs and they go away they're sort of um or at least one of them is from a kind of aristo family and the uncle has got a country house and they decide to go off to the uncle's country house to dry out and uh, get clean and it all goes horribly wrong i think when we've talked about this movie before it's got Richard um, E. Grant in it. It was his like his his big opening, like the thing that made him yeah. famous. Oh, we we've talked about this before. Um, I think they actually mentioned that movie in another episode. I think they might do. Yeah, it's it's well worth a watch. The actual the end of Peep Show, like the whole end, they reckon was, or there's like theories that that was it was allusions to With Now and I. I will have to watch that. Yeah, yeah. The idea of the two of them being left together and stuff is very with them and I. Um. <laughs> so at this point, they're still like trying to convince Barney to stay, but they're not. Um. We have found out that dance witch dance witch abortion has come out on stage to um. Has has finally come out to uh, take their spot. And um, and they're rocking, rocking out. out. Um, Mark walks Sophie out, and she gets it to Ian's car. And um, Ian just looks at Mark and or um, Barney, excuse me, looks at Superhands, and he goes, "Did I do it all right? Did I do it all right?" And Superhands is like, "Yeah, you were fine." And um, what is? Oh God damn it! What is? What is what's the other thing that he says? Um. He says that he wants to run behind yeah, the car yeah. all the way home, which is a great bit. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, at that point, uh, Jeremy says, you've ruined this. Why couldn't you have had him, got him to suck you off after the gig? Um, Ian then is just, yeah. Ian hears this and he goes, you did what? And then he looks at Mark and he <laughs> says, why do you do these things? Why do you do these things, Mark? <laughs> Yeah. Poor Mark. I mean, this is really nothing to do with him. Yeah. And then uh, 
then Sophie, Ian, and Barney take off. Um, as they're taking off. Oh, but not before Sophie's opened the window and says that she hates Mark, and then Jer- and then Barney says that he loves super hands. And then, uh, and then Jeremy's just like, "You love super hands? Why? He's the one that made you suck him off." And uh, <laughs> and then Mark just decides that he's just gonna go home and roast the shit out of some meat. <laughs> yeah, and that is the end of this episode. Yep. So yeah, in conclusion, I mean, this is a great episode, um, and it has got a few of my favourite peep show things, the weird jokes that never get explained again, like the heartbreak tuna and the roasts, and I think Hans here is at his immoral best, doing <laughs> immoral things with the Big Beat Manifesto, but I do think the peep show is a sadder place from here on in for having Dobby and Dobby's presence, um, and interestingly, I did the maths to see because I was looking where I'd put this on my list and this is the second highest a Dobby episode ever is on my list. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. So So this is apart from one other episode, my uh, nothing ever. This is the high like second highest there's ever a Dobby episode for me. All right, so I'm a little rusty at this uh cuz it's been a little bit You but... were doing well before. Yeah. Uh let's see here. So I'm just going to take a shot in the dark, and I'm going to say 26. Oh, you're really close. 23. Oh, shit. I almost went 24, so. Mm, yeah, yeah. So this is number 23 on my list. Um, And in the other 22 in my top 22, Dobby appears once more, but all the other, other episodes do not involve her. <laughs> <laughs> At all. Um. Yeah, I really enjoyed this episode too. I had forgotten how much stuff happens in this episode. Like I when I think of this episode, I only think of the Mark stuff and I've and I completely have forgotten the whole Jeremy Superhands Barney storyline. I guess the um I guess that the stationary cupboard stuff kind of overshadows the rest of it in, in everyone's memory, I think. It really does. It really does. It's so fucking weird that it just yeah. blocks out everything else. Yeah. Thankfully, we had a great peep show culinary. Once again, thanks to Donnie Taylor. So uh, he starts off, Spin War is completely stacked, so you can take your picks from all the following goodies and have a pig and tea break to work out your pig and culinary strategy. We've got white wine and chain-eating roast with potatoes and carrots, and that's only if you decided to bin the heartbreak tuna. Of course, there's a long-awaited debut of Dobby's man cheddar and feta. Mark's lunch with her was a cheese and mayonnaise sandwich with an R-whites lemonade. You can have cheese McCoy's, Ribena on a twirl, one poppadom and a bit of chutney. Two fat bunker bottles of premium nugget and two double whiskeys. No matter what you put together, cap it off with a can of Coke and a ciggy and it will be right as rain. Yeah, that actually sounds like uh, not too bad of a, a, a meal. That's a great peep show culinary. That's a proper dinner, that is. Yeah, I know. And, uh... Yeah, definitely get a little little toasted on the uh, the lager and whiskey. So, <laughs> yeah. Did you have any other uh, TV shows? That, anything that you've watched or read? Well, because I've been unwell, so I've now just steamed through Jane the Virgin. I've watched seventy two episodes of Jane the Virgin in like two and a half weeks, which is outrageous. I mean, that is like three a day or something, and they're like an hour long each. So I've got a problem, but. I can't get enough of it, even though it's ridiculous. Um, so I've been watching that, but that's not very highbrow. The other thing, I've been reading Doug Stanhope's memoir, Digging Up Mother, which is 
amazing and well worth a read or a listen on audiobook. Um, it's so funny. I don't know if you know, if you're familiar with Doug Stanhope, if he's, he is American, so you would hope he's a big deal over there. I um, apologize. I'm not sure who that is. <laughs> he's, a, he's a comedian. Um, he, uh, I'm not sure where he's from in America. He's American. That's as much as I know. But he is, he's a comedian who's written this autobiography about his, it's about his life. It's his autobiography, but it's sort of framed around the, around his mum, who was an alcoholic, but a very funny alcoholic. So it's, it's, it's worth a look. Oh, okay. Uh, me and Phil he's have from been... Worcester, Massachusetts. Oh, is he? Me and Phil have been, so Phil really likes him. He is, so we first heard of him on Charlie Brooker's Scream Wipe. He does like a little uh, section on that um, over here. And we've watched some of his stand-up and Phil really likes his podcast um, and has got me listening to a few of them. Uh, but this book is is hilarious. And Phil read it first and he wasn't wrong to say that it was worth reading because it's really funny. It looks like he's got a Netflix special. I might have to uh, check that out. Yeah, he's, he's really, really funny. Yeah. Edgy, huh. but funny. What about you? Have you been watching or doing anything else? Oh, man. Uh, uh, no, um, <laughs> I have this, I have this really sick fascination with prison shows. Right. And every time I just watch prison shows, it just makes me realize like how much I never want to go to prison. Right. So yeah. Fair they enough. put, they put more episodes of lock up on Netflix. So I've been watching episodes of lock up. <laughs> I, um, I mean, I've got a weird fascination with serial killers, so it's not just you. Everyone's got a weird thing, or at least I've got a weird thing, and so I think everyone's got a weird thing. Yeah, that's good. Um, um, oh, of course, this is uh, worth noting for Peep Show fans, which was that, uh, so The Crown, that uh, the big Netflix hit, the second season has just been released on Netflix. And they, I don't know if you're aware, but they're going to change the actress of the Queen every like two episodes to sort of be consistent with her ageing. And Olivia Coleman has been cast as the Queen for the next two seasons. Oh shit, wow. Mm, yeah, so she is going to be playing man, the Queen. Man, that's huge for her. Yeah, it's massive. Like, I think this might be the thing that breaks her into kind of international stardom. So that's wow. great. I look forward to seeing her as the Queen. Wow, that's incredible. Good for Olivia Coleman. Yeah, I can't wait to see what she's going to bring to the role. I think she'll be. I mean, it's. I mean, it's not going to be as good as her crying on the toilet floor with uh, David Mitchell, of course. But whatever she brings to the role, I think it will be welcome. Wow, I'm man. I'm so happy for her. She had that great uh, series she did with David Tennant. Um, Broadshore. Yeah. Yeah. Broad oh, Broadchurch. Broadchurch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I enjoyed Broadchurch, mostly just because I was a huge David Tennant fan at the time. Yeah, no, it's going to be great. So, yeah, I've just started watching The Crown, but I've only watched the first episode of season two, and I didn't... Basically, my knowledge of 1950s British politics wasn't good enough. I had to go and Wikipedia some shit before I could watch the rest of it, because I was like, I do not understand what's going on. So I'm hoping that the, the rest of the season's going to be a bit easier to follow for those of us that don't know much about... 1950s british politics <laughs> speaking of uh british politics are you excited about the new princess yes how weird is that that we're gonna have an american princess what's the buzz over there about it are people excited 
Um, I'll be honest, a lot of people just don't really see what the big deal is, but I think it's cool. Like, fuck yeah. I think yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I guess, especially kind of for, as a, in our generation, as a British person who's seen that kind of like change in the monarchy of 20 years ago, it would have been completely unthinkable that they could have got married, particularly with her being divorced. So it's great. It's really, it's really good for the royal family and good for them. Nice for Prince Harry. I'm glad they're paying for it out of their own pocket. You know, I just like, you look at like the way that Wallace Simpson was treated and you look at the way that they're, you know, I, I would say that there's people who are not happy that she's biracial. Um, but you know, yeah, I mean, that's, that's not really been, I don't know, maybe in some sections of the media, it's been spoken about more here, oh. but, I mean, like, but it's not really been touched oh, upon. Well, that's that good. She's mixed race. Yeah, I mean, I guess the cynical part of me thinks that's because she looks very white. And if she looked more mixed race, maybe it would be discussed more. But it doesn't seem to have been something that's massively been, has come up. Like, maybe in some sections of the media, it has, like the Daily Mail. But, you know, not really. And it's great. I think it's... It's really good. Diversity can only be a good thing, particularly in a family like the royal family where, you know, there's been quite a lot of inbreeding over the generations. They need to expand their pool a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I mean, uh, yeah, it's exciting. And, you know, I think anytime you have a big, um, you know, any anytime something big like that happens, you know, it's, it's always fun. And I hope you get a day off for it. Oh, I don't think we're going to, you know. They're saying it's going to be on a Saturday, so... What assholes? Like, what, who but... gets married? Why is there a royal wedding on a Saturday? I know, exactly. It's uh, Apparently, it's the protocol that the eldest sibling gets a bank holiday, but the younger ones don't, so... Oh. There you go. Fuckers. But, I mean, I'll be watching it anyway. Phil, Phil will be raising his eyes <laughs> when I get up to watch it. Like, on the last one, when I went out and bought the papers, and he was like, why are you buying newspapers? I want to see the dress that yeah that's, uh, i'll definitely be watching that's really funny <laughs> oh man yeah he's he's heavily not into it but he likes the queen he says he likes the queen and he's happy to you know hear stuff about her she's uh she's like the the grandmother figure for everyone for the country but he's not interested in the rest of it i told you i told you before that my name was almost charles right no was it oh <laughs> Yeah, my mom was pregnant with my sister and I at the height of, like, Charles and Diana mania. Right, okay. And so everybody was trying to convince her to name my sister and I Charles and Diana. Good job she didn't really. It didn't end up, uh, end up too well, did it? Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> I am so I am so thankful every day of the week that I was not named <laughs> Charles. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not a great name, is it, outside of royalty? So, uh, yeah. Well, plus it, plus it, you know, he turned out to be a little yeah. bit of a scumbag. Sorry, yeah, I mean, Prince Charles. Probably, I probably can't say that on air because that's treason. But you're fine. You're American, so you can say it. <laughs> I don't want to get my head chopped off. I'm gonna, I'm gonna wake up. I'm gonna wake up tomorrow to like the British equivalent of like the <laughs> CIA knocking at my door. MI5, MI5 knocking at your door. Yeah, MI5 knocking at my door. Uh. I see that you called uh, Prince Charles a bit of a scumbag. Like, <laughs> uh, I think he's been called worse. To be fair. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure he'd be a big deal. 
Anyways, uh, we are kind of rambling a bit here. So uh, yeah. next week we kind of start what right. I affectionately call the Jeremy trilogy. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, this is a... we have a series. What's the next episode? Um, is it? It's not the one. It's not Jeremy's manager, is it? That's the next one. Nope. It's Jeremy's broke. Ah, uh, yes, that's a great one. I like that one a lot. And then yep. yeah, and I do enjoy Jeremy's manager, which comes next. Yep. So yeah. we've got. No, I think Jeremy's, it's Jeremy's Broke, Jeremy's Mummy, Jeremy's Manager. Ah, of course. Yeah, three great episodes. Yep, and we've got the little, yeah, like I said, the, oh, and what's really going to be cool is uh, Jeremy's Mummy is the first episode that we will have reviewed that is not written by Armstrong and Bane. Oh, really? Who is it written by? I will give you one hint. We have talked about this writer. We talked about this writer three different times in a span of like six weeks. Oh, is it old matey? What's his name? Um, Simon Blackwell. Yes, magician's guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Cool. So, yeah, so we got the first. We got the first of like three or four Simon Blackwell episodes coming up. Excellent. So. Uh, that's everything for me. Anything from you? No, no, all good. All right, and I will get this out episode out in a reasonable amount of time, and then we should be kind of caught up and back on track again. No worries. So, okay. All right. Well, that's the L Dude Brothers signing off, and, and have a great day. Bye. I am in loco parentis. I am the last remaining contestant on The Apprentice. I am the home trained dentist. Ay, 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 ay,